turn your Bibles to the epistle of Paul to the Colossians. Amen. You know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And as we say in our house, giants eat popcorn. So there you go. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. For I would that ye know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Take note of this scripture. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now turn to First Timothy. First Timothy chapter six and verse twenty. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Pray with me here this morning as we seek to discuss the topic of the mythology of modern science. Father, we do come before your throne this morning. Lord, we do bow. Father, our hearts, our intellect, our entire being before thee. Father, we come as little children, humbling ourselves. Lord, we need you to illuminate, to instruct us, Lord, to teach us, to guide us, Holy Ghost, into all truth. Lord, we want to know thee, to think rightly about thee, to be established in thy ways. Father, I pray this morning you would quicken us according to the truth of thy word. Set us apart, Lord, by thy word, which is truth. Father, may we esteem it, Lord, greater than our necessary food. Father, I pray for conviction to be wrought within each and every heart. That our lives, indeed, would be built upon the sure foundation. Of thy word, which is forever settled in heaven. We ask it all in Jesus' name. 
Everybody said amen. We are still dealing with theology proper or the study of the character and the nature of God. But we are going to be moving on from our study of the Trinity into the study of God Himself as the precondition for the intelligibility of the universe and life in general. Now don't be intimidated by that. I'm going to unpack it. In other words, what I am saying is this. The triune Christian God's existence. And remember, we're not just talking about a generic deity. When we say God, we are referring to the only God that exists, which is the triune Christian God. And our premise is the triune Christian God's existence and being provide the only rational explanation and grounding for all of life as we know it. Faith in and commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is the only sure and rational foundation for a man to build his ethical, epistemological, and moral house upon. In case you need me to break it down even further. The Christian God's existence is necessary to make a trip to the grocery store to buy milk intelligible. In fact, it is necessary to make gardening intelligible. Mowing the grass, brushing your teeth, playing hide and seek, or even having a tea party. I hope I've included everyone in that. If you want to do any of those things and make the doing thereof intelligible, then you must presuppose God. Now, some may say, I go to the grocery store all the time and buy milk and I don't believe in God. I didn't say you had to believe in God to go to the grocery store and buy milk just to make it intelligible. Thus, we are going to seek to go to the Word of God and see the foundation of God Himself as the necessary precondition and foundation to make all that we think and do and say on a daily basis intelligible. Moreover, I do not know about you, but I am coming down with an acute case of campus fever. Thus, coinciding with this time of the year when we return to campus, this fragment of our first of 12 stones will take on an evangelistic flavor. I hope you can say, Amen. Amen. I'm excited to return to campus. And I hope you are too. But before we get into the meat of this morning's message, allow me to set the scene. The essence of sin is simply man seeking to be God himself. And one man has profoundly said, the essence of salvation is God becoming man. But sinful, autonomous man 
He believes the lie of the devil that he can set aside the word of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ and via the exercise of his senses and his reason, he can determine and know what is true and false, good and evil, right and wrong, apart from God, and he can be successful in his endeavor. Thus the essence of sin is man usurping the place of God. But if man does away with God... He has a problem, a very big problem. For apart from God, how can a finite and an autonomous man explain and account for the fine-tuned universe and complex life and man and logic and morality and human dignity and on and on and on? You see, if man wants to do away with God, He's got some explaining to do. Big time. As one man said, the universe is a big place. Perhaps the biggest. But not to be dismayed. One esteemed scientist of the day said this. He said the universe is just one of those things that happens from time. Isn't that a convenient announcement? You see, we've talked about all the types of evolution that must take place in order to get to where we are today. You may remember the anachronym that I shared with you. Charlie caught Sarah operating Malachi's green motorcycle. And and what are these types of evolution that our anachronym points out? We first must have cosmic evolution, the, the evolution, the origin of the universe. Then we must have chemical, and then we must have stellar, and then we must have organic, and then we must have geological and micro and macro evolution. You know, a big deal for evolutionists is where did all the stars come from? You know, they believe the stars just spontaneously came into existence. When scientists have never observed the formation of one single star from beginning to end. In fact, the man that taught the creation symposium in New Mexico, he figured it out mathematically. He figured out that there must be 32,700 stars coming into existence every second for 30 billion years to arrive at the number of stars that we have right now. And they just think that they just spontaneously came about. And through the stars, they believe all of the elements on the periodic chart just poof, popped into existence. You see, autonomous man naively believes that he can get rid of Jesus Christ and the Bible. That's that's what he wants to do. He wants to get rid of Jesus and the Bible and all these Sunday school stories and Noah and this ark and all of this morality that is imposed upon him. But he thinks he can do so, but still keep logic and science and rationality. But he can't because it's a package deal. 
And if he tries to account for the universe in a logical and rational fashion and all it contains apart from God, he will make a fool of himself in the process. In fact, one of the best ways to refute Darwinian evolution is just to let them tell the story. Amen. Step up to the microphone, sir. Speak up so everybody can hear you loud and clear and explain to all how we went from goo to you out of the stew via the zoo as you are taught here at LSU. Amen. Let's, 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 let's hear another rendition of the great story now. As we know, all men are religious and thus there are ultimately, I'm sorry, as we know, all men are religious and there are ultimately only two religions on the earth. They are gods and not gods or Christianity and humanism. But what we must understand is this. Humanism does not merely stand on its own merit or propagate itself automatically. There is a very powerful, validating tool which is believed to give absolute proof to the truth of humanism. And that tool is science falsely. So-called. This past week I listened to a lecture given by John Lennox, a brilliant mathematician educated at Oxford. I listened to this message a few times as he spoke regarding this thought. Has science buried God? Well, I would say absolutely not. In fact, not even close. For apart from the Christian God, science would be both impossible and unintelligible. In fact, true science buries atheism. However, modern science, which is science falsely so-called, is being used as one of Satan's primary weapons to justify sinful man's ultimate quest for godhood as it attacks the foundations of Christianity and seeks to replace God and Jesus Christ as the Messiah. You see, in our day, the spirit of Antichrist is perhaps using no other vehicle so successfully to attack Christianity as modern science. Modern science has become the great justifier of man's rebellion against God. They're just pointing to science. In fact, homosexuality, hey, science declares that this is a genetic problem. And it bows the knee and acquiesces to the great God of science. Modern science, I would propose has become the body and the voice of the spirit of Antichrist in our generation. And what does Antichrist mean? It means against or in place of Christ or God. I would say that Satan 
has used modern science perhaps more than any other weapon to discredit Christianity and undermine the authority and perfection of God's Word. Most today, even in the professing church, when it comes to natural things, esteem the Word of the scientist above the Word. You know, I I say somewhat jokingly that the way Eve fell was that she went from being a Christian to a scientist. Not a true scientist in the true sense of the word, but a scientist falsely so-called. For what did she do? She embraced the lie of the devil that via her senses and her reason, she could determine what was true and real and good apart from God. And I would say that the fear of being characterized as unscientific has called multitudes to abandon a literal genesis, a literal six-day creation, a global flood as well as a young earth. However, think about this. If modern science was necessary to understand what the scriptures actually mean, then the scriptures could not have been fully understood for the first 5,400 years of earth history. Is anyone willing to embrace that presupposition? Moreover, If this is indeed the case, then men can never fully understand the scriptures because the paradigms of science are constantly changing. You see, that scripture in Timothy where it speaks about men ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's what modern science is. All that is needed to understand the scripture is humility, a love for truth, a teachable spirit, a God-honoring hermeneutic, and the spirit of God. I saw a beautiful verse this week. Everybody turn in your Bibles. I want you to see this. To Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4. It's glorious what it says, but consider what it implies. Paul said how that the revelation, I'm sorry, verse 4, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? You know what he's saying? He's saying when you read the Bible, words have meaning. God has communicated through these words. And Paul is saying when you read these words in the Bible, you can understand what I'm telling you. Oh, isn't that glorious? Amen. I'm kind of wondering what's wrong with some of y'all. I, I was about to shout when I saw that. Amen. Hold to think that God has revealed himself in a book. That's good news to me. Amen. A book about a person. And as we read that book, we can understand exactly what our God is telling us. 
Perhaps you've heard people say, well, you're religious, but I'm rational. You ever heard that? Or you live by faith, but I live by reason. Or perhaps, you see, it's a battle here between science and Christianity. Now, what logical fallacy is that? Who can tell me? Any fallacy detectives here this morning? I'll tell you what, I need to get, get up my stethoscope and check some of y'all, see if you're alive here this morning. I'm, I'm concerned about your ontological status. Amen. Hallelujah. What logical fallacy is that? It is a logical fallacy of false dichotomy. The either or fallacy. In other words, you must either be religious or rational. You must either be a Christian or a scientist. Do you see that? They're seeking to frame the debate in a false way. And this is how error is smuggled in. First of all, we must understand that there is absolutely no tension whatsoever between true science and God or true science and true religion. Amen. Anybody ever asked you, Hobson children, why? Why does your daddy hate science? Huh? Any of y'all have been asked that? Do your daddies hate science? No. We love science. Amen. I, I absolutely love science. In fact, a few weeks ago, if you were to come to Happy Acres, you would have witnessed us partaking in a scientific experiment. It, it was something that I did back in high school when my physics professor, professor, Mr. Deesh, had us all perform an experiment called the egg drop. Did you do the egg drop, Sister Brenda? When you were in high school, you, you took an egg and you, you put it in some kind of a, a container and, and your container was really light and small and, and then you took it up into a, a high place and you dropped it down to see if your container could sustain that egg. Amen. Well, we had the egg drop a few weeks ago as we talked about the principles of physics and science. These glorious laws that we love. So I love science. Moreover, the existence of the Christian God is the very foundation of science. In fact, science is the child of Christianity. And the Bible is scientifically perfect. Amen, dear. You know the greatest scientific statement ever made is Genesis 1 and 1. You want some science? Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Every other worldview starts with the existence of time, space, and matter. Only the Bible gives us the origin of time and space matter. That's the foundation of science right there. In fact, the Bible is not only historically perfect, but scientifically perfect as well. 
But we must have a proper definition of science. You see, science, natural science, is this. A set of intellectual disciplines, which by the use of the senses and the reason, studies nature. There it is. Thus, true science is observable, measurable, and repeatable. And it is essential that we understand the difference between historical and observational science. Now, let me ask you a question here this morning. Who has the most evidence? The creationist or the evolutionist? Brother Leon, they have the same evidence. The universe and all it contains. When do fossils exist, someone? In the present. So there is very little we can extrapolate regarding the past. Oh, when you find a fossil, you know that there was an animal that died. You don't know that it had any children. You can, by faith, religiously extrapolate that, but you don't scientifically know that. You see, that is historical science. When did the universe begin? When? In the beginning. Is that present or past? It's past. You cannot scientifically observe or confirm that. Therefore, there is no truly scientific position regarding the origins of the universe or life, according to modern science. Because it can't observe something that it can't observe. However, natural observational science has been conveniently broadened, hear this, to include historical science as well as redefined and bracketed as naturalism, thus forbidding one to even consider supernatural explanations. This is key right here. You see, modern science has been redefined, and it is in actuality not science but The philosophy of naturalism. What is naturalism? It is a philosophical viewpoint according to which everything in the universe must arise or have arisen from natural properties and causes. Thus, supernatural or spiritual explanations are excluded and discounted. You see, as one man said, he who defines wins. Therefore, if they are allowed to define everything and frame the discussion, you lose every time. I've been having a dialogue with a biology major from LSU, and he is emphatic that microevolution has been observed. But his definition is not a transition from one kind to another kind. In other words, going from fish to amphibians to reptiles to mammals. His definition of macroevolution is a mere change in genetic frequency. And that has indeed been observed. 
But this is what they're doing. They're making that the definition of macroevolution. And by faith, they are extrapolating that given enough time and enough small changes, we can go from molecules to man. But that's never been observed. But according to him, I'm absolutely crazy for denying that macroevolution has ever happened because I'm not receiving his definition of macroevolution. You see, because of their governing presuppositions that science must be naturalistic, do you see that? All supernatural explanations are disqualified from the outset. Therefore, it doesn't matter if they do not have a semblance of a rational argument or any evidence to back their worldview. As long as Christianity is excluded from playing the game, they are always victorious. Let me ask you a mathematical question here this morning. Are you ready? Who wants to answer this? What if I were to say, what is two plus two? I wish you to raise your hand, Brother Leon. But if I qualified the potential answers by saying this, you can't say four, okay? Nor can you give any mathematical equation equaling four. You cannot use any sign language, no fingers, please, no toes. And I want you to give me the answer. What would you say? What's the answer? Huh? Maybe you can't use four. What's the answer? Were you thinking seven? Huh? Were you thinking ten? Maybe, maybe. Okay, that's acceptable. Good. We'll we'll put that in the pool there. What about thirteen? Two thousand? Amen. See, what? Six Six months. No, no, you can't do that. No mathematical equations. Oh, you see, those are all possible answers. Do you see what's going on here? Therefore, when you're engaging the evolutionist, you must understand the rules that he has established. Number one rule, I establish the rules and the definitions. Second rule, heads I win, tails you lose. Now, let's talk. That's what's going on. Therefore, by controlling the definition of science and evolution, they guarantee themselves victory every time. As Dr. Scott Todd, an immunologist from Kansas State, said in Nature magazine, they print this. Even if all the data pointed to a designer, such a conclusion is excluded from science Because it's not naturalistic. Sir Arthur Keith said, listen to this. Evolution is unproved and unprovable. Amen. We believe it because the only alternative, special creation, is unthinkable. And this is what's going on. Suppose two teams met to play in the championship football game. As they began to play the game, one team absolutely dominated the other team. 
Every time they touched the ball, they scored a touchdown. Went for two every time. The other team, not only did they not score, they had negative yards. And the score at the end of the game was 526 to nothing. And so the team, after the buzzer goes off, they begin to celebrate. Amen. They have won the championship. They begin to congratulate one another. And then, being the good sports that they are, they line up to shake the other team's hand and to console them after they've been humiliated. But much to their chagrin, the other team is dancing around and celebrating in absolute ecstasy and jubilation. They're thinking, well, this is a strange sight. What's going on here? Well, their spokesman steps up and says to the other team, he says, we have a new slash for you. Yesterday, we went to the Football Rules Association. And we had the rules changed, thus declaring, you can read it right here, that we are the only eligible team to win the championship. Therefore, you are disqualified. That's exactly what's going on. Let's stand here this morning. You see, children, amen. My wife says to be sure and get that children in there. Science is what? Science is knowledge. And according to our text, in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Thus, in Christ are all the truths of science as well. True science can never contradict the Bible because the Bible is a revelation of Christ who is the source and definer of knowledge itself. As it says in 1 Samuel, Oh, what a scripture. Talk no more exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. Amen. Our God is the Lord of knowledge. And thus the Lord of science. And thus you have nothing to fear from what science may discover. Because if Christianity is true, which it is, and God created the heavens and the earth, then everything that you find in the heaven and the earth does not prove Christianity, but it confirms the truth of Christianity. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't this glorious? This is good news, amen? Unless some of you be tempted to think, I wish he'd preach Jesus to us and not all of this. Think about it. Jesus is... The creator. So when we preach creation, we are preaching Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah.
Let's raise our hands. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. This morning for thy truth. But we thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But you've revealed them unto babes such as us. But we thank you for light, for illumination. We thank you for your goodness unto such as us. Help us, oh God, to receive, to embrace, and to unashamedly declare the truth as it is in Jesus. We ask it all in his name. Amen. 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 Will the Lord bless you? We'll take a short break and come back for church.